This is the new LDS organist lesson 7, him playing in polish mode, playing two independent lines in legato style. If possible, it will be best to be seated at the organ console. You should have the written materials for this lesson at your fingertips. I am Dr. Don Cook from Brigham Young University. Lesson 7 is the second of four lessons on how to play hymns in polish mode. You will learn how to play two independent lines in legato style with true independence of line, and various ways to play hymns in two parts. The versatile chorus reads will also be introduced. If you have mastered Lesson 6, you should be able to play several single line parts in polish mode from hymn arrangements and directly from the hymn book. You should be listening for perfect legato between the tones and well-defined breaks between repeated notes and at phrase breaks. You should also be familiar with each of the six legato fingering techniques having played through each example several times with the given fingering. If you have not yet mastered Lesson 6, you should do so before beginning serious work on this lesson. If the demands of your calling require you to play several hymns and other appropriate music within just a few weeks, you should study Lessons 10 through 12 at the same time that you work carefully on Lessons 6 through 9. You may also need to play most hymns in shortcut mode, as described thoroughly in Lesson 5, for the first few weeks. Two-part playing means to play some combination of only two of the voice parts. In four-part hymns, the most useful two-part combinations are soprano and alto, soprano and tenor, soprano and bass, and tenor and bass. In three-part hymns, all possible two-part combinations are useful, right and left, right and pedal, and left and pedal. When you learned to play in polish mode with soprano only, or soprano in octaves, you were able to focus on listening for two very important qualities in your music. One, perfect legato between the tones, that is, playing smoothly, but avoiding both detaching or blurring the tones. And two, well-defined breaks between repeated notes and at phrase breaks. When playing in polish mode with two parts, you must listen for a third important quality, independence of line. What exactly is independence of line? It means that each line keeps its integrity, regardless of what other lines are doing. Breaks in one line do not cause breaks in other lines, and sustained tone in one line does not cause a tie between tones that should be repeated in other lines. Find your copy of Hymn 98, I Need Thee Every Hour, simplified for organ in three parts. Follow along as you listen to the right and left-hand parts played with true independence of line. You might mark an X above the treble staff wherever only one part breaks, requiring independence of line. That is, in the first verse after the words most, no, the second I of the chorus, and between O and bless. Note as you listen that in each line at these points, the legato is complete, and that the breaks between repeated notes and at phrase endings are distinct and clear.
Now listen to the same example played again, but this time the lines that should be legato, heavy, at these points will be broken, light, simply because a light break occurs in the other part. Now listen again. This time the repeated notes will be almost or completely tied, heavy, at these points, simply because a heavy legato occurs in the other part. These, in review, are the two most common problems with independence of line. 1. A proper break occurs in one line due to a repeated note or phrasing breath. This causes a hand or foot to break in another line where a legato connection or sustained tone should occur. In other words, the light break causes another part to be light where it should be heavy. Or 2. A proper sustained tone occurs in one line due to a legato connection, long note, or tie. This causes two notes in another part to be nearly tied, I call this a flinch, or completely tied, or slurred, where a distinct break should occur. In other words, the heavy connection in one part causes another part to be heavy, where it should be light. Here is a simple but effective way to overcome problems with independence of line. I call it the freezing technique. If you find yourself breaking where it should be legato, or tying, playing legato, or flinching where there should be a distinct break, mark an X above the treble staff at that precise point. Starting back one or two beats, play slowly to that point, and then stop or freeze. The hand or foot that breaks should be hovering in midair, and the hand or foot that sustains should still be playing. Hold in that position long enough to feel which hand or foot is heavy and which hand or foot feels light. Then play to the next note and stop. That is one perfect freeze. 
Here is an example of the freezing technique applied in I Need the Every Hour, the three-part arrangement between measures two and three. Repeat this little process three or four times following every step exactly as described. Notice how much easier it becomes every time. Now start back a measure or two and practice slowly through that spot without freezing. This process takes no more than a minute or two and will reward you many times over in clean, independent lines. Now it's your turn to try playing with good legato, well-defined breaks, and independence of line. It will take some practice to learn both parts by yourself, so for now just play the right-hand part as I play the left-hand part. You should notice that my legato connections do not care about your breaks, and my breaks don't care about your legato connections. Likewise, your legato connections and breaks should not care about what my line is doing. They are two completely independent lines. Pull principles 8 and 4 on the grate. Play legato throughout, except for breaks between repeated notes and at phrasing breaths. I'll count 1, 2, and we'll both come in on 3. You play right hand. Ready? 1, 2. Next, you play left hand while I play right. Ready? One, two. If you wish, go back and play these parts again until you feel comfortable playing your part with complete independence from mine. Of course, they should share the same pulse, and the phrases should end together. We have just experienced two independent parts played in polish mode. The lines flow in a smooth legato, and the repeated notes are clearly distinguished one from another. Also, phrase breaks occur in a way that helps to clarify the meaning of the text in verse 1. Playing this hymn in this way, 
right and left hands only, does not result in the complete harmony that is certainly desirable. However, with this stop combination, principles 8 and 4, you could provide adequate support to help lead those in the congregation. They could sing together either in unison or in parts, and the spirit could be present. Please remember not to hesitate to use a simple form such as this in the early stages of your service. Playing the right and left hand parts of a three-part arrangement is only one of several two-part combinations that might be used for congregational accompaniment for prelude or postlude. You might also try the right hand and pedal parts of a three-part arrangement, or consider the following combinations of two parts from a four-part hymn, True to the Faith, number 254. This is an example of a very challenging hymn that is made playable for congregational accompaniment, prelude or postlude, even in polish mode, by using these two-part combinations, soprano and alto, or soprano and tenor. Here is an example of each. First, soprano and alto. Next, soprano and tenor. Now, soprano and bass, with bass played either by the left hand or the feet. In this example, the very active bass part will be played by the left hand. Next is a particularly useful and enjoyable way to use two-part playing in polish mode for congregational accompaniment, prelude, or postlude. Two organists can share the four parts. One plays soprano with right hand and alto with left, and the other plays tenor with right hand and bass with left. For congregational accompaniment, play all hands on the grate. For prelude or postlude, play all hands on either manual switch between the two manuals, or solo out the soprano line on the other manual. Always pay particular attention to producing a good legato, well-defined breaks, and independence of line. There are several benefits. Most importantly, the congregation will hear all four parts played well. Also, each organist will need to learn only two parts instead of four, and they will learn to follow the director and to respond to one another. It does require that the organists practice both by themselves and together. When playing two-part combinations, each hymn or arrangement will work better with certain combinations than with others. When the two parts move through the phrase in parallel thirds or sixths, or end the phrase with a third, sixth, or octave between them, the result should be favorable. 
When the interval between the two parts at phrase endings is a fourth or fifth, try playing the tenor note in the alto instead, or just try another combination. In the following example, you will hear the soprano and alto parts. All phrases end with a fourth, leaving an unsettled feeling at each phrase ending. Listen again to the same hymn, but now with the soprano and tenor parts. All phrases end with the interval of a sixth instead of the fourth, resulting in a more stable finish for each phrase. Once again, Listen to the soprano and bass of the same hymn. All phrases end with the interval of an octave between soprano and bass, resulting in a very stable but rather bland ending for each phrase. The bass part is played in the pedal. We now shift gears into an important organ registration topic, chorus reeds. Reed pipes produce tone differently than flue pipes. Instead of blowing a sheet of air across the opening on the front of a pipe, reed pipes blow air around a moving tongue, much like a clarinet. Because of this difference, the tone of a reed pipe tends to stand out from any principal, flute, string, or hybrid, all of which are flue pipes. As with vocalists, Reed stops that stand out most are called solo reeds. Those that are able to blend with the flues are called chorus reeds. This lesson is limited to those that blend, the chorus reeds. Here are some of the most common chorus reed stop names. Trumpet or trumpet, basson or fagot, oboe or oboe, Posana or trombone, bombard, dulzion, not to be confused with dulciana, clarion, spelled C L A R I O N or C L A I R O N. Take a moment now and find all the chorus reeds on your organ. Stop the recording long enough to hear the tone of each one. Because the tone of these stops is smoother and often softer than solo reeds, they are capable of blending with the flues. However, they are also capable of doubling as solo reeds. In hymn playing, chorus reeds are used most commonly as a means of adding fire to the full principal chorus. Usually the organist will build to principles 8, 4, 2, and chorus mixture, a bright principal chorus, and then add the 8-foot chorus reed for fire. Listen to the third verse of the simplified four-part arrangement of hymn 58, Come Ye Children of the Lord. The chorus reed is added to the full principal chorus halfway through the verse.
Now, stop the lesson and listen to your organ as you add the eight-foot chorus reed to the full principal chorus with mixture. For an even more fiery effect, add chorus reeds eight and four. Notice also the addition of the 16-foot chorus reed in the pedal on the last line of the hymn. Listen now to your organ as you add both 8-foot and 4-foot chorus reeds to the full principal chorus with mixture, and then as you add the 16-foot chorus reed in the pedal. For a less than bright ensemble, the 8-foot chorus reed can be added before the chorus mixture. The result is a darker sort of fiery ensemble than with both mixtures and reeds. The following example begins with principles 8, 4, and 2. The 8-foot chorus reed comes in at the midpoint, followed by the addition of the chorus mixture four measures later. Try this at your organ. Pull principles 8, 4, and 2. Listen for a moment and then add the chorus reed 8. Listen again and then add the chorus mixture. The gentler chorus reeds, particularly the oboe or oboe, or a muted trumpet, can also add a rather dark sort of fire to a full chorus of 8 and 4 foot stops. This combination can be particularly effective in hymn verses that have a contrasting, darker message. Listen, for example, to Redeemer of Israel, the end of verse 2, going into the beginning of verse 3. The darker message of verse 3 is reflected in the registration by removing the chorus mixture and two foot stops and adding the oboe 8. The redemption promised in verse 4 is reflected in the return of the bright two foot stops and mixture which lend brilliance to the fiery chorus reads.
Another means of achieving a dark, gravelly tone is to add the 16-foot chorus reed to the manual chorus. This can be particularly effective in the grand, majestic, slow-moving type of hymn. Listen to hymn 31, O God, Our Help in Ages Past, played in this manner. Because of their distinctive tone, chorus reeds need special treatment. They should not be overused. Drawing chorus reeds for more than one verse of a hymn, for example, can be tiring to the ear. If congregations are not accustomed to hearing reed tone, begin using it sparingly and always with purpose. Never use strong reed tone where a more meditative spirit is appropriate. In summary, this has been the new LDS organist, Lesson 7 him playing in polish mode, playing two independent lines in legato style. Make sure that you understand each of these topics and review them if needed. You are reminded that lessons six through nine are intended for those wanting to learn how to prepare hymns and pieces in polish mode. You learned how to play two independent lines in polish mode, that is, perfect legato between the tones, well-defined breaks between repeated notes and at phrase breaks, and true independence of line. You are made aware of the two most common problems that organists have with independence of line. You also learn several two-part arrangements of three and four-part hymns that can be useful. Finally, the chorus read was described as a stop that adds fire to the principal chorus. Other special qualities and applications of the chorus read were also described. Follow up with this lesson by learning to play several two-part combinations in polish mode from the hymn arrangements and directly from the hymn book. Listen intently for perfect legato between the tones, well-defined breaks between repeated notes and at phrase breaks, and independence of line. If possible, play some of them for a trained organist or other musician who can confirm that your single lines have the perfect legato, well-defined breaks, and independence as described. Also, become familiar with the several applications of the chorus read. Lesson 8 is next, hymn playing in polish mode, playing three independent lines in legato style. You will learn how to play three parts with only two hands, always playing with true independence of line, and various ways to play hymns in three parts. Couplers will also be explained in how to achieve balance between manual and pedal. If possible, it will be best to be seated at the organ console for Lesson 8, and you should have the written materials for that lesson at your fingertips. Happy practicing!